John Barkley comes up to receive the trophy. This, for the Scarlet's fans, is simply great to watch. They were outplayed in the first half by a Tudor side that picked and win. The 1872 Cup back in Edinburgh hands. They've beaten Glasgow. The first team in 17 attempts to come to Dublin and get a win. How good is that for you? Oh, it's great. All I'm getting at the moment are players shouting, knock on, offside, tackle out the ball. We're in the wrong sport for that. The Zeebo special gets it wide to Earls. And Earls from here means only one thing. The best stadium I've ever played in, the best atmosphere, the, the best supporters. Hopefully one day I'll be back. should of course apologise to any Munster fans listening. Uh, they'll have something to say about whether Leinster are going to be in the final as the Scarlets come again. Oh, brilliant offload. It's Brady with a stroll in under the sticks. Oh, look, it's, it's been a roller coaster um, here all my life. 47-10. Jesus, I thought I was in dreamland when we won the Pro 12. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Welcome back uh, to Dan and Niall. Uh, before we were rudely interrupted, we had three seasons on the go in France, England, and the Pro 40. The uh, Six Nations were up and running, and we had great plans for the Autumn Internationals, and everybody was looking forward to buying their tickets. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> the best laid plans and all that. <laughs> so I hope you're all well. Uh, you're well too, Dan, aren't you? Yeah, keeping well over here, um, despite, despite everything that Boris has been doing, uh, no, managing to, to stay safe. Um, I think the latest thing is hands, face, space, get a test. So, yeah, yeah everything's staying safe over here. Yeah, I mean, I've had it three times Levels. at this stage, four maybe. <laughs> I think I'm getting it again as well. But that's the stage, that's yeah. how I, that's my mental state <laughs> during the last six months. Uh, interesting aside, we'll talk about rugby in a second, but interesting aside about London though. I mean, I've even noticed on their own broadcast is that people in London don't understand why their R value is so low, you know? Um, it's like mm. 1.5 in Paris and less than one in London. And you've been going to pubs in London to watch the games. Like the yeah. pubs are open. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I know, yeah, kind of in, in comparison to, um, to back in Dublin, it, it, things are a lot more open here. Now, obviously, it's about 80% back open, I'd say. It, it is kind of slowly but surely getting there. Um, in general, I, I think the, the leading thought uh, for a lot of people around COVID in London is that, oh, everyone had it back in March, so we're fine. Yeah, kind of that initial wave definitely hit most of London. But it's it's just bizarre that you, you guys uh, haven't suffered so badly from it. It could be. I mean, I used to live in London. It could be that uh, everybody in central London, no one in central London, sorry, meets anyone over the age of forty-five. So everybody gets it, <laughs> but then they meet no one to hand it over to who might be impacted yeah. by it. That's the, it's perhaps the only uh, explanation. But, Here in Ireland now, you have to book a table. So I yeah. went. So I went watched some of these Pro 14 games the last couple of weekends. We ordered the tables, we ordered the food, and then the pints. And then you pay like you're in Europe. So then they just hand you a bill, you know? Yeah. It's not like you're doing rounds. And then you say, so you yeah. don't want to be in that situation you're when weird. you owe someone money, you know? Yeah. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bill for 100 euro. Oh, you owe me 50 euro, Johnny. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's perilous out there, people. Mind yourselves. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so the, the concern that I'd have as well is uh, with with the games coming up now, um, semi final games for the Pro 14 coming up. Uh, what about that 105 minute limit? Mm. That, that doesn't, that's not long enough for well, a game. To be fair, I haven't been in many places where that's being implemented, and to be fair, also there aren't many places that are showing uh, the games. I mean, a lot of places yeah. have gone very cafe bar deli, so it's in mm-hmm. eat and drink. You're not the sport. Uh, there aren't as many places with the, the match on. Now, that might change as the games 
uh, start getting more and more important. I suppose we'll move on to that now. I suppose to talk about the rugby, but. Um, the mm-hmm. approach here is, as I was saying, when we started, when we left you, there were uh, three leagues in Europe. A healthy uh, international season. Yeah. Uh, running. Uh, and since then, uh, the biggest news story at that point was that Saracens uh, got that massive points deduction. <laughs> uh, just to remind oh, you. Uh, that's still, yeah, that's the season. <laughs> yeah, so, but they're still, they're still playing. Um, so the issue is, so Pro 14 decided what they were going to do is that they were going to truncate the end of the season. You couldn't have, the, travel restrictions are a problem because you've got these South African teams, you've got these Italian teams, Scottish teams, and now with Scottish devolution and Welsh devolution, they have their own rules for travel. You can't even talk to bars about moving yeah. a rugby team from Wales to Dublin. Yeah. So they kind of said, well, screw that. So what was keep everything? It's a very unique case because it is a, technically a domestic league, but it's not really domestic, it's international. So yeah, it's a unique issue that it had. Yeah, and so now, but rather than try to finish the league, uh, they truncated it, stuck the teams that were together, uh, that were in the same country together. And, you know, it would have been incredibly convenient for them if Connacht got the fourth semi-final spot, (laughs) because that wouldn't involve any international travel at all. But now, as it turns out, Ulster have to go to Murrayfield to play Edinburgh in one semi-final, and Munster will come to Dublin to play Leinster again. Um, Now, just to say, though, uh, as well about this, is that the English made a decision. So the Pro 14 decision was, well, we might as well finish what we've got. Yeah. Now, what comes into play there... Well, we yeah. What comes into play there is there's two things. One is you don't know what's going to happen next year. So you it's difficult to plan for next year when you still can't finish this year. And you have sponsorship in place for this year that you need, you need to, I suppose, meet to get the cash uh, and to yeah. meet whatever contractual obligations you have. So... I suppose that's their cause for doing it. And it's probably the same for finishing it. And that's probably the same cause the English have. But the English route is to finish it entirely. So they're not going to be finished till the end of October. Yeah. And, I mean, it, the English weren't exactly known for the play well for either. And the, considering there was the whole story coming out with Dylan Hartley and the Eddie Jones conversation as well. So there is definite questions being asked about um, the English Premiership and player welfare. And kind of the, the RPA uh, needs to stick up a bit, I think, over here. Yeah, well, this is Dylan Hartley, yeah, has released his uh, his autobio. Yeah, fact, mate. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's kind of he's talking about how they're treated like pieces of meat and uh, how he was kind of like, he was just told, you're, what was it you said there? You're fucked, mate. Is you're that what fucked, he said? Mate. Yeah, so he, he was on the phone apparently to Eddie Jones and uh, when Eddie Jones told him he was being dropped from the team, that was how Eddie Jones so eloquently put it. Yeah. Uh, to well, Eddie Jones' fashion. Yeah, but that's kind of an editor selling a line, though, isn't it? Because I'm sure he was maybe just fucked for one game, but that was the beginning of the end. He's like, oh, you're fucked, yeah. mate. You can't play. You're not playing this game. But, you know, more generally, yeah. yeah, you are fucked. You're also getting old, and you didn't make the game particularly pleasant for other people, Dylan Hartley. And no, if he's trying to pull on people's heartstrings now, he, he shouldn't have been playing the way he was playing. So I think yeah. it's, it's quite the pivot for his uh, career narrative if he's trying to now do this. So, uh, Yeah. Um, I, so to stay on the Premiership, Saracens are going yeah. down. Uh, Exeter yep. are up, are, are and, winning, uh, riding a high like no one's business at the moment. Yeah, they do, do seem to have a win in their sales, all right. Yeah, and it, but just <laughs> this is not meant to be a pun, but apparently Sale are also doing very well. Uh, well, Sale are second, yeah, and Bristol yeah. Bears. So Ian Madigan, we're talking mm. about Ian Madigan now. Second, so oh, Ian Madigan you. is uh, left them to come back to Ulster. They've just been promoted, and now they're third. Now you see the thing is that there's like a lot of that season left. There's a lot of Irish interest still in the, in the Bristol team uh, to, to see how they're progressing because you have the likes of Brian Byrne uh, who's recently gone over uh, and I think there was, was there someone from Munster who was going to be going over as well 
But there's okay. definitely str- strong ties um, to that team. Obviously, then as well with Pat Lamb being their head coach. It's and interesting seeing how it He brought Muldoon with him to Bristol, didn't yeah. he? Did he bring him with him to... Um, uh, so it was after Muldoon retired uh, they, they brought him over as the coach. So I think there was a year or two delay. But yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So he brought him over before they're promoted. So okay. So Muldoon's there as well. So that's that's the Premiership. The only kind of noteworthy thing there in terms of Premiership. Well, London Irish are ninth, so they're back in the Premiership. And they're ninth. So um, yeah. Declan Kidney, uh, Paddy Jackson, uh, and Sean what? Uh, yeah, Sean O'Brien, of course, as well. And what might surprise people is that Leicester are eleventh. How the mighty have fallen. Yeah. So that was the thing. Um, because. There is okay. We say there's a lot of money in the English Premiership, but they're, even before COVID, they were losing money hand over fist. I think it was 50 million a year that they were losing. Um, so there's obviously the, there's the massive controversy um, across various teams uh, asking players to take 25% pay cuts. Uh, so that's why you saw the likes of Manitou Laggy moving. You saw the likes of No Reed and Leicester uh, also saying no, taking uh, not going to take that. And he's actually moved over to uh, to France. Now. I think he's with Agen. Um, okay. So yeah. So the, French, seen, the French aren't predicting. Is it the French aren't predicting pay cuts, or the French pay more, so you don't notice the pay cuts when you go there? Is probably more what's going on. More the case, I'd imagine. Um, the, the French have probably taken a, a slightly better view of this, though. Well, I mean, it's interesting because people are continuing going. The people haven't stopped. I mean, that's why the Premiership is kind of vaguely of interest is that they didn't abandon it and they keep going. But there's yeah. a case to abandon it. Now, should we abandon the Six Nations? Have a, I mean, mm. hopefully you can, okay, like for, hopefully Dan, you have a, have a recap in your head of the Six Nations. It was so long ago, no one can remember, well, I can't remember. But well, <laughs> the next fixtures, the next fixtures, for example, is, uh, Ireland, Italy. So that's, yeah. so, it's, it's two, it's two over, weeks. You know. There's two weeks left uh, of the Six Nations. And when I say two weeks, there's one game and then there's one weekend. Uh, so, yeah, it's, a, it's that Ireland-Italy uh, game that was due to be played. And that was the first one that kind of that raised the first red flag uh, initially uh, that, oh, some of these games might actually have to be postponed or cancelled. Um, so that, oh, that's yeah, the first I remember that. People thought that Simon Harris overreacted by cancelling yeah. that. Yeah. But, but, I mean, yeah, I think he handled it relatively well then. Um, so... Yeah, so that, that's going to be played on the 24th of October. And then we're being given a Halloween Super Saturday. So the 31st of October is going to be uh, Super Saturday this year. So it's going to be some interesting games and some uh, interesting but permutations. It's long, yeah, it's a long, but I suppose the only point I'm making is it's kind of a long wait uh, for nothing. Now, an Irish fan might say that because we lost to England so badly in the last Six Nations. Maybe the Irish fan might win, have no problem. Like we might, win, we might win the Six Nations. But it's a long time to wait for, for kind of non-contest. So you've got Ireland are going to host Italy on the 24th. They're only going to get five points from that, one would imagine. Then week five, you've got Italy hosting England, right? It's yeah. over. Wales host Scotland. Wales don't have a hope, though. And then yeah. finally, you have France versus Ireland. So it's a, it's a long way to, to, in Paris where that could actually change the complexion of uh, the winner because France have beaten England. And we lost to England. And if we beat France by 50 million points, we can win the Six Nations. What I'm kind of trying to get at there is... <laughs> Is there any need to have Six Nations? You know, it is just about... It's four games that are really about one game. The French have already abandoned their league. They said, listen, it's COVID-19. It's supposed to be the worst crisis since World War II. We can live with abandoning tournaments, but maybe it's a sponsorship issue. Sorry. It's going to feed into now the plans for the Autumn Internationals, but sorry, I keep interrupting you. It's been so long, Dan. I've just just got so much to say. (laughs) But I think... No, I think there is... There is reason to to keep if you look at it from the financial perspective, the Six Nations is the highest grossing uh, rugby rugby tournament in the Northern Hemisphere. Now, in fact, that happens every year. It's a fantastic money earner for for the uh, federations. 
So I think what's particularly interesting is looking at how the different unions have structured kind of how they reacted during the um, during the pandemic and seeing how the various domestic leagues have reacted could play a massive, massive contributing role to seeing how that final weekend actually goes. So when you have the likes of the English players are going to be absolutely knackered, considering it's like we're now looking down the barrel of an incredibly congested 18-month period of yeah. rugby. Uh, and and they're leading on Saracens players who yeah. like have gone through all this COVID nightmare. After COVID, they have to finish off this season where they're yeah. on minus 59 points. Like... Yeah. So that's, England may not be in the best psychological shape. Or uh, they may have psychological hands. It's their hands. I mean, they they uh, they go to Rome, and they'll win. So it, so their psychological status will have no impact on the tournament. And the French have had a nice big break from rugby. So yeah. we, I guess. But I think the well, one thing that we have seen. So when you're looking at the likes of Super Rugby or Thrua, or you're seeing how um, the Pro 14 or uh, the Gala Premiership. Have been playing since being back. You have seen a lot more injuries, so this is something to be concerned. Obviously, there's the uh, kind of the marquee injury for Munster with uh, Snyman going down. It looks like he's actually. I think he only had a one year contract with Munster, and it looks like he's going to be out for that year. So particularly unlucky for him. But you're seeing a lot more injuries. So seeing how a lot of them were in training, though, weren't they? Did James Ryan was training. Was it James Ryan was training. training? Yeah. But, but in, if you're looking at the injuries for Super Rugby at Thrua, that was a lot of in-game injuries. So they were the first ones. They were kind of the, the um, lab rats initially to see kind of what, what was going to happen uh, when they all bring players back from however, however yeah, many... Yeah, I suppose the point being that people are sitting at home and like rugby players, especially maybe, I don't know, maybe props, are, it's a constant battle between e- eating and exercise, I guess. So exactly. you but don't... I think it all depends on what structures are there around the clubs. So if you have the likes of Leinster, Munster and the, the Irish system, they tend to have quite good structures around the clubs. Um, in the UK, I uh, don't know necessarily how well uh, that was structured. But if you see the likes of France, I remember those video calls uh, from, for the rugby pod that they were interviewing Finn Russell. And he was, he, I mean, <laughs> I don't think exactly he was uh, motivated to be working out every single day. So there could be some uh, initial injuries. Oh, I guess you're kind of saying that you're expecting that the French team could be fat on fit bastards. This is the hope. I mean, they could all be bastards. <laughs> who knows? Ah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh, so it, might be, it might be worth playing these four games to see uh, how fit the French side actually are. Well, uh, uh, considering the amount of money that is involved, I think any money that uh, the clubs, the federations and the unions could be, could be getting back from any kind of positioning money or prize money from the Six Nations could be uh, highly valuable. Oh, you've talked yeah. me around now. You've talked me around because yeah. actually Ireland Ireland will have their home game the week before. Yeah. So they'll yeah. be all warmed up and in exactly. focus. And, and the French, who are notoriously, I suppose, fractured, yeah. are just going to be thrown together on the day, five minutes beforehand, I'm and, sure. <laughs> and also, um, when you're... When, like, the, the main issue with playing in France, uh, playing in the France, is always that the, the crowd are really against you. There's not... There's no way in hell they have a crowd in the Stade de France. Like considering, as you're saying, the uh, R rate in Paris is 1.5. No, they're much There's no more way. strict in France. They've suffered yeah. Oh, will all definitely be closed. Yeah, or if it's so not closed, if there are 200 people there, it would make no difference. But it, it takes the power away, so it does mean it's a, a little bit potentially more uh, more capable uh, win. It's not necessarily going to have to rely on a Johnny Sexton drop goal to, to win it for us. Yes, no, uh, potentially. Uh, yeah, and tell me, uh, have you seen any of the games uh, on TV, or is it all in a pub? My question is, have you... There's TVs and pubs. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. My question is, have you have you any opinions on the sound effects they're adding? Like, it, yeah. I, so I mean, I like uh, them. Suppose today and now, right now, I like the idea, and I like <laughs> the, part of the fact that the per- there is now obviously a person pressing the button, and they can make it louder. I mean, there must be a limit to how loud they make. But if they think, you know, if the person goes over the line, yeah, you know, they just go. <laughs> It, it, it is fantastic how much attention uh, the person has to pay uh, to the actual match, and there's definitely been sometimes where it's like, oh, it's like, no, that's not even close, mate, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah why are they cheering? So, why is the crowd so excited? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's quite I a disingenuous Leinster cheer that they put up, though, I'm not a fan of that. But, yeah. well, I, I think, though, I mean, I suppose the, the purists, and people who know perhaps a lot more about rugby than me, would say, well, one of the issues is that the crowd often spot things, but... Um, yeah, the commentators might not, and, and maybe I, I suppose maybe we want really high quality people adding the adding yeah. the sound effects <laughs> just so they spot something. Get Nigel Owens to do it for all of them. <laughs> What's well, potential? The potential that that could be a, a actual job for someone uh, says. I mean, could be interesting. The, uh, and I suppose I mean there's just so much sort of theoretically happening. We'll talk about the sparkly ball in a minute. The sparkly ball yeah. is what I'm calling. This attempt by World Rugby to keep us interested by constantly inventing new ways, but new so, rugby competitions happening in the future. But just just on that alone, considering the absolute hames that World Rugby made of uh, the reorganisation of games in Japan when the World Cup was happening because of the typhoons, why do we think that they have the strategic uh, knowledge and capability to put together a hypothetical competition when there's a global pandemic going on and they're trying to add teams that have uh, that are rates in the country astronomically high? So it, just, it baffles me. Baffles me. Well, I mean, I suppose some people in other sports would say uh, some people in other sports would say that World Rugby, IRFU, or if you are significantly better organised than the football bodies. There's so much money involved. Uh, and backhanders and kind of corruption involved in football. I mean, there's always it's a different as well set of. I mean, they have a World Cup in Qatar and Russia. You know, as World yeah. World Rugby would easily back down from that. They just send them a letter saying, "Oh my God, Vladimir Putin was homophobic," and they'd be like, "Oh no, well, no, we can't go near that." <laughs> so they're they're quite above board. In fairness to them, sorry, I just yeah. And um, another thing though about this is, I suppose World Rugby uh, w- wants to drive TV revenue. Now, what the trickle down effect of that would be? I mean. God only knows. Because, like, the other issue, like, in fairness to the Pro 14 and the Premiership in finishing this season, the other issue are ticket receipts. Now, it was reported there last week that the only league of any variety that can survive without ticket receipts is uh, the English Premiership football. Uh, that any other league needs... The TV, TV rights are so rich, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking billions. Whereas... Yeah. Uh, in Pro 14 for next season, if you can't have tickets, people paying into Newport Dragons or into Connacht uh, or, you know, Cardiff Blues, that creates problems for them. I'm sure people would immediately mm. chortle. Oh, but nobody goes to see those games anyway, which is half their problem. It's, you know, to a certain extent, that might be true. But I think definitely for the Welsh. Uh, but then, yeah, the selling out of stadiums in Scotland has always been an issue as well. That's just due to sheer capacity. But yeah. Mm. Well, it's a, yeah, so there's... So I, I suppose what I'm trying to do there is I'm sort of saying is that uh, I think when we, our last podcast before this, I was kind of saying, well, the question is, will there be a season next season? And, you know, beyond it being penciled in for December, there we don't know if there'll be a season next season. We don't know how the, mm. the, flu, mm. the flu season is going to affect people's responses to COVID. So perhaps it's good to finish these seasons uh, while they can. Doesn't excuse, like, you've got the sparkly ball which yeah. is World Rugby. So World Rugby want a tournament after the Six Nations is finished. Yeah. There's going to be it's another... Christmas, Nations. though. Sorry? 
this side of Christmas. They wanted to extend that international window uh, this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, all of this is pre-next pre, pre the next season, which is penciling for the start in December. So we'll have the Six Nations end. Last, the 2026 Nations will end, and then we'll October. effectively yeah. have the same teams playing again uh, <laughs> with uh, Japan. Japan must suggest there's supposed to be two extra teams. Fiji is Japan, Japan Fiji were the original two. And, but Japan um, no now because COVID yeah. restrictions. And now we want South Africa because the kind of the assumption South Africa don't give a shit. It's kind of what we're, we're going for. So, but, so I mean, considering the Southern Kings and the Cheetahs aren't going to be partaking in the, in the wrapping up of the Pro 14, I just, I, it's not going to work to, um, be included in that competition. There, there, I think, um, the South African delegates in, in Sanzar. What's the link between the Pro 14 saying that, well, what you're saying there is that we've kind of dumped them out of the Pro 14 already, the Cheetahs and the Southern Kings. Yeah. Uh, other sparkly ball there we'll talk about in a second, but mm. you're saying that that will impact their ability to participate in a new Eight Nations tournament. Well, if, if we can't have a smaller group of players coming up, which would, would be what those teams would have uh, amounted to, to finish oh, just, up a few games. There's no way. Yeah. South Africa, it's just not an option. Are are they going to be demanding some home games then? Because then that's also not going to happen. There's no way uh, any of the home nations or or France or Italy uh, or Ireland would actually go down to South Africa. They're not going to put their players in harm's way in that sense. Uh, because the backlash could be bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then the effects that you have on the screen. Yeah. In here, because they can't, no one will go down to Southern Hemisphere. So, Springboks are on tour, and is that necessarily, was that necessarily what you want? Is it just basically a, uh, a attempt at a Springbok Grand Slam? Is that what we've created? A Springboks Lions Tour of Europe, like, just a tour is effectively what you would have created there, isn't it? Which is feasible yeah. there for no reason people understand, which is yeah. very unfair, I know. Yeah. But, um, I, just, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's because we're on the topic of uh, whether or not Sayakalisi is going to be. Uh, spending loads of time in Europe. Uh, yep. It's very sparkly ball. So you've got the World Rugby sparkly ball is let's have a second Six Nations straight after we finish this in a couple of weeks. Yeah. How can we make more money? Mm, yeah. And well, even if the even if the plan to make money isn't thought out, I suppose you're telling sponsors that you're still trying to think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Money. And then the second sparkly ball is a Pro 14 sparkly ball. So as yeah. I was saying, they've kind of dumped Southern Kings and Cheetahs out kind of this season. Uh, suggestions that Cheetahs are, are going to go under anyway, or sorry, Southern Kings are going to go under anyway. Yeah. So the other plan now is that this, there are four South African teams in Super Rugby. Yeah. So just add them to the Pro 14, which will make yeah. it the Pro 16. Pro 16. Yeah. Two. Uh, so that's another sparkly ball moment because for the logistical problems we were talking about there, if that's going to happen, the chances it's going to happen in a season starting in December are slim, I would suggest. Yeah, and uh, so I think that that particular one of the, the moves to the Pro 16 is a uh, is a slightly that, that's not necessarily COVID related. That it was just purely a money play um, based on the current structuring of the Super Rugby. They're oh, so uh, now again you know. because to show their ideas and to keep people interested, yeah. and people keep sharing this on social media as though anything is happening, but nothing is happening. But but what it is what it has happened. That is different now versus when this conversation occurred previously. Is that you actually have that the Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby Altrua have occurred and have been widely successful um, in in their respective countries. As much as as much as rugby union is successful in Australia anymore, Um, 
But there's now demand that uh, apparently pushing from the New Zealand side uh, that there's a uh, Super Rugby Tasman uh, competition. So that just mainly uh, it's just the Australian and New Zealand teams that will compete in it every year. And then uh, they would both compete in their own domestic leagues and then the winners of that will go on to, to, to play. So that will be a, a big shift away from what we've seen previously um, because you already have the Sunwolves um, being kicked out from uh, Super Rugby. And then you're going to, it's going back to just kind of the old school. So that whole Sansar uh, organization, which is the South African, uh, New Zealand and Australian, that would essentially dissolve. So there would be this new system set up just for those two countries. My uh, my curiosity about this was uh, the financial side. Basically, uh, I follow Cyclisi on uh, Instagram, and uh, he's always trying to change the world. Uh, and you, you think to yourself, how much would could I mean, if you've ever spent time in South Africa, it's an incredibly cheap and I suppose poor country. And you think to yourself, how much could one of these players be paid? And he's actually paid uh, thirty thousand dollars a month. So, oh, okay. yeah, so he's doing, now assuming if that's uh, across the year, that's 360 grand, uh, yeah. which is what, about 300,000 euro or something. So then you actually, you start thinking, initially I thought, you know, oh, that wouldn't be fair. Like you'd have this icon like Khaleesi arriving in Dublin, being greeted by Leinster players, who I assumed are being paid more than him, you know, like he's 22 year old, oh. you know, on these new contracts. And that's actually not the case. And no, then yeah. I, but then when he's, you look he's at the, the other one. of a World Cup winning team, so you'd expect <laughs> he'd be on something. Oh, well, you'd expect in terms of sponsorship he'd be on something, but this is his yeah. wage. Yeah. So, but then you think to yourself, well, how sustainable is that? How many big teams can the Pro 14 have? Sorry, the reason I'm linking that into mm. what you're saying about, like, the TV audience in uh, New Zealand and Australia isn't huge. They're not actually, they're not huge countries, but they're very mm. into rugby, so that sustains yeah. a lot of interest. So you've and, got to. You're the probably it's the primary driver because uh, obviously Sky were, were highly uh, influential in kind of making rugby professional, and obviously it became professional in the Southern Hemisphere before it did in the Northern Hemisphere, and that's why Super Rugby can't sustain itself currently uh, in its model because the TV right deals are so lucrative. Because you always see the stadiums in, uh, in Super Rugby matches tend to be less than full. Yeah, you kind of think that's maybe fatigue or kind of Kerry fan syndrome. You know, they're so into it that they only go to the to the finals, Final, the knockout yeah. stages. But so, yeah, but sorry, just to finish that, is that you can't, right now, you have, in terms of super teams, you have Leinster and Munster in the Pro 14, who are pretty much kind of self-generating. Their revenue streams aren't really about the TV money they get from the Pro 14. Yeah. But if you get rid of two small teams, like the Southern Kings and uh, Cheetahs, and the, in, uh, stick in these four other huge teams, you're expecting... That the video, sorry, the viewership in South Africa will sustain them at this level when it's added to the viewership of Italy, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. That does not make financial sense. That is the audience. You are removing a massive audience pool, as small as Australia and New Zealand are. Mm. They are very into rugby. You're removing that massive audience pool to enter a tournament where... You know, I've been going to the games in social distance, going through the pub to watch the games in the limited places where there are social, where social distancing is in place. Mm. So very few people can fit. And there is space in pubs in Dublin, the three or four pubs in Dublin showing Pro 14 games. Season ticket holders like ourselves, Dan, go to these yep. games. But the viewership, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the maths of that completely add up. No. So, yeah, I mean, or, or else at least he has to get a smaller house. <laughs> 
I'm sell a few of those kids and I stop all that charity work and start doing more for Adidas. Um, yeah. I want to talk just a little about, there's lots of things coming up. So after the, these weekends of the Pro 14 semifinals yeah. final, we then have the European rugby is happening around the same Yes. Yes. Yeah. So middle of September. Yeah. Yeah. So to give a quick refresher of those quarters, uh, I'll give them as home. So Leinster home versus Saracens, Claremont versus Racing, Toulouse versus Ulster, Exeter versus Northampton. Nothing has changed to make anyone think that the favourites, uh, this time, who are the home t- sides, uh, are not still the favourites. They are still the favourites. But we live in a world where we don't really have a clue. So mm. injuries can happen. Someone could get COVID. You, we don't know how some of these teams dealt with lockdown. Um, it's all a bit of a mess. I mean, when the rule, there wasn't a rule change, but before the new season launched, as we were saying there earlier, there was a crackdown on the rules, particularly in the breakdown. Yeah. And people thought that the penalty counts, which were huge to begin with when rugby came back, I think it was like 40 penalties in the first minute. Yeah, it was outrageous. Yeah, but the, that's uh, tempered a little, but people still don't know, are they seeing penalties from rustiness or strict refs? Well, it, it was it was tempered a little bit, but uh, if anyone happened to see the the Munster Connacht game uh, yesterday, that uh, there were thirty six thirty six penalties and five cards, two red and three yellows, thirty six. So um, there, it may be some element of fatigue in it, but even in, within the first half, there were twenty one penalties. I think. Um, so the, it it is interesting. I think seeing how the different uh, leagues have approached it as well uh, will lead to a bit of a clash, let's say, once the um, once the games are back at, for European level. So that could be interesting. Can I interject about TV there as well? As I turn the TV on, this is why Dan's telling me all this like it's news to me. It is. I turned the TV on yesterday at 3 o'clock, whatever time it was. Oh, yeah. Virgin, I Virgin, and yeah. on Channel 410, Air Sport, oh, they've cancelled their contract. So six months waiting for rugby to come back. Second yeah. weekend, they've cancelled the contract with their sport. And the reason I'm saying that is firstly because I'm feeling very sorry for myself and I wanted to yeah. moan about it. Yes, but secondly, definitely. that's the world that we expect Sai Khaleesi to arrive into. <laughs> a world where people can't even watch the games he's in. Yeah, are we going back to like the 1990s where they're just like professional games that just aren't screened? Yeah, well, we're on the verge of it. It's, it's, Virgin yeah. won't show uh, our sport, definitely. I would be watching everything on TG Car. Jesus, we should learn Irish. It's probably yeah. a job in that for us. <laughs> it's, it's it's the one thing that they did well during lockdown. Then having that uh, that duolingo streak. Then maybe maybe it was subconsciously for for this reason. And then uh, the last games that actually the, most, the ones that are coming up. Uh, we didn't actually talk about the chances. So we have yeah. uh, Leinster home. Uh, to Munsters, Munster. these are the upcoming games, and then yeah, the Edinburgh team. home to uh, Ulster. Ulster. Now Ulster, uh, I, I think look, looking at the Irish teams um, primarily because obviously that the, the largest constituents for, for these games, it's been very interesting seeing the difference uh, kind of comebacks to rugby that we've seen. Um, yeah, seeing the variation, kind of there's a lot of new faces in, in Ulster as well. Obviously, American coming back. Um, just it, it, it's it's uh, maybe the Ulster aren't in a strong position now as they were prior to lockdown. Well, they didn't have uh, they didn't have two great games. 
They were mm-hmm. very confident. They're very good with confidence, Ulster, actually. They talk themselves up quite well. And not in a bad way. The, the stand-up for the Ulster around things kind of works a bit. Uh, but then they kind of, losing to Leinster then, I mean, it didn't matter, as it turned out, really. But losing to, Lance, to the Leinster B team, and it was the Leinster B team, yeah. uh, that was, and with Madigan starting, Cooney at nine, uh, I suppose George Murphy limping off, they're all Leinster players playing for Ulster. Yeah. And they would be Leinster A players, I suppose, if they're playing yeah. now. Um, so that didn't, that didn't bode well for Ulster. But, you know, Edinburgh, who knows, they played one game. They're, True, but they and they're only games. recently they, strong as well. I mean, they played they played two games um, against Glasgow, uh, and they they won the first game, uh, and then they lost the second game quite badly actually. Um, so it'll be interesting. I don't think either of those two teams are firing on all cylinders again. Um, so I think that that'll be has potential to be quite a close game. We just need to see how that how that actually pans out. Um, I just on the topic of Ian Madigan for uh, as a treat for anybody who's listened this far. Uh, in this podcast previously, just before COVID, I was mentioning about seeing Ian Madigan Phoenix Park, and he contacted me on Twitter to say it wasn't him. <laughs> so, so I'm in contact. I'm in contact with Ian Madigan yeah. and blind and incapable of telling, <laughs> yes. of recognizing rugby players on the street. So would be yeah, yeah. The, the, I think for the Leinster Munster game, um, I think that there's an interesting storyline that there's been much touted in the Irish press. Uh, since the Leinster Munster game, uh, obviously the, the first match back that was a 27-25 game. And there's talks that maybe uh, maybe it was the instruction from Yoma and Gran uh, when they replaced the scrum halves. Oh, we'll, we're happy with a losing bonus point because that means we're going to be coming back to face Leinster. And I don't think it, I don't think any Leinster fan can say that that was a convincing win uh, against Munster as the first game back. No, so it'd be interesting to see kind of how that pans out and was it actually somewhat planned by Munster? Well, no, true. Now, now that you say it, they don't have anything to be afraid of uh, based on that first game, uh, if everybody maintains their rustiness, definitely. But going mm-hmm. in, they were fighting hard not to play them in the same yeah. round. That was, I suppose, maybe the realisation hits around the 60th minute. So why are we killing ourselves, almost beating these guys to not play them yeah. at, at yeah. a bigger stage? Exactly. And um, I, I think the, an interesting point as well um, is that if you look for how Dale Ende has actually blended in. Obviously, we, we mentioned Simon, uh, unfortunately, not is going to be playing now for, for the uh, foreseeable future for, for Munster, but seeing how Dale Ende has actually gelled in, he's looking at him versus uh, Connacht uh, in yesterday's game. He, he is providing a bit more of that spark for, for Munster so far. I do think, though, there's the unfortunate position that Munster are now playing two 12s, they're not playing a 12 and a 13. So seeing how that kind of matches up against um, Ringrose and Henshaw uh, will be yeah. a interesting matchup. Uh, is it, it will brute force win in the end. I'm sure um, Lancaster and Leo Cullen are structuring plans and maybe have a, leave a back row out in, in the middle of the park. I like the way he lurks. He kind of lurks. He kind of stands. You think he's not. You kind of think, mm. Jesus, he's ever going to do anything. And he's yeah. kind of this and huge guy just stripes. stands around, and then suddenly, yeah. And he's a bit dirty as well. I wanted to get that in. He is yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, how do you think we did? Rusty. Rusty. Not yeah. as much energy. Not as much energy, uh, maybe, as we could. But we've been off the air for six months, you know? Getting fat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think um, yeah, I, I think there's potentially a lot, of, uh, a lot of interesting points coming up. So I think it will make... I, it, we just need to see how things keep progressing. 
But uh, I think it's interesting. We often approach podcasts by looking at stats. Like we often say, yeah. oh, this is what usually happens. This is what usually happens. And you could have done this in terms of looking at what happened with New Zealand in terms of penalty counts when they came back after uh, well, break. In, in general, in general, the, the impact hasn't been as bad in Northern, Northern Hemisphere, but that is because we'd expect that. Once, once you know that that's going to be the case, you'd expect that. So we're seeing yeah. the well-drilled teams are uh, well aware of that. But um, seeing how yeah. it's performing. But I'm trying to sort of get at maybe a different point, which is maybe none of us knows anything. You know, the amount of factors that are now feeding into these games uh, in terms of people's... At this point, all models have been thrown out the window, well and truly out the window. So, um... Which is exciting. I mean, so, I mean, if we get another game like Leinster-Munster for the semi-final, I mean, it would be uh, edge of your seat for Leinster fans, but it would be great for the competition. Yeah. Um, and uh, who knows, uh, Ulster and Edinburgh is actually a very well-matched semi-final. Yeah. So there's, there, are great, uh, there are great games ahead of us, and that's just before we hit into European rugby. So at the moment, for this season, even yes. though we're approaching the we're already past the summer. It's over a year since this season started now. But it's looking good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is still the same season that we had a World Cup on. So, yeah, everything is uh, progressing well. Okay, guys. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Keep well. Cheers, guys. John Barkley comes up to receive the trophy. This, for the Scarlet's fans, is simply great to watch. They were outplayed in the first half by a Chiefs side that picked and win. The 1872 Cup back in Edinburgh hands. They've beaten Glasgow. The first team in 17 attempts to come to Dublin and get a win. How good does that feel? Oh, it's great. All I'm getting at the moment, our players shouting, knock on, offside, tackle out the ball. We're in the wrong sport for that. The Zevo special gets it wide to Earls. And Earls from here means only one thing. The best stadium I've ever played in, the best atmosphere, the, the best supporters. Hopefully one day I'll be back. I should of course apologise to any Munster fans listening. Uh, they'll have something to say about whether Leinster are going to be in the final as the Scarlets come again. Oh, brilliant offload. It's Brady with a stroll in under the sticks. Oh, look, it's, it's been a roller coaster um, here all my life. 47-10. Jesus. I thought I was in Dreamland when we won the Pro 12. Phenomenal, phenomenal.